You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 332 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you? Gina. I'm great, Val. How are you going? <laughs> What's been happening in Gina world? Oh, it's all systems go here. We're all back to normal. The, the only the positive is that, that like we, we, all the school kids are still on holiday, so the mm. roads are still nice and um, you know easy going. So it's great. But um, I had uh, I got to really give my new Godox AD six hundred a good run this mm. week. So I tested it out on a couple of different lifestyle shoots and gave it a really good beating. And so um, I wanted to give a little review of that. Val oh, and, and what yeah. I thought of it. So, um, like, it 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 really is fan because I've got like uh, the other portable lighting I have is uh, the uh, Allenchrom Quadra system, which is corded, and then I was looking at another portable light. So I was using the AD two hundred sometimes, uh, mostly for my personal projects, but I wanted a little light that I could use on these lifestyle shoots where I might be just using a six hundred head or a couple of couple of heads. And so what I rigged up was a little kit that had the AD. 600, the AD 200, I had a, uh, my large, um, Chimera one meter softbox, uh, on the AD 600. And then on the, I, I used the AD 200 just as fill light, you know, off to one side. And I reckon, um, each of the shoots I did about, uh, maybe 400 frames. Now I wasn't using it at full power. It was maybe at one uh, sixteenth power, but it just like it did not miss a beat, Val. And it's just in terms of being able to rock up to a shoot with just two bags, so one of the gear and one roller bag with the lights in it instead of all the other paraphernalia, and just like not having cords and and all of that, it was fantastic. And then I, you know, you can even have the the other thing that I really like about it is it's got a, like a pretty decent modeling lamp on it that you can actually turn all the way down or turn it all the way up. And so if you wanted to, uh, it's got a loud fan with it, but if you just needed a little extra dook of continuous light, uh, mm. not so much for filming, but just if you needed some continuous light, you can use the modeling light. So all super, super easy to use. I do recommend it that if you're going to use um, be doing a lot of shots because the batteries themselves take about four hours to charge. So I got a spare battery uh, with it. But in terms of the light, the light is nice and clean. Um, and uh, it's just, I'm very, very happy with it, Val. And this, by the way, I paid full price for this light, not okay. a sponsored <laughs> post at all. I just want to, because often you'll get that and it's like, yes, and thanks to our sponsor. No, <laughs> this is just like, I will buy it and test it out and I will give you an honest review. 
On the downside, I'm going to say that the adapter I got, because it's a um, Bowen's head on the Godox, and I use Allencrom gear, the adapter that I've got that is Bowen's to Allencrom is a bit tricky. It's a bit hard to get on and off. It's a bit tight. So that's uh, one of my um, complaints. The charging time of the, um, the batteries, uh, aside from that, I'm pretty happy with this light for the cost. And for the grunt that you get, I'm pretty happy with it, Val. That's great. Okay, fantastic. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are going to find that useful. Fantastic. Yes, yes. <coughs> Excuse me. I highly recommend it, you know, especially if you're a, uh, a portrait photographer that's uh, doing a lot of run and gun shooting, like single portraits or even like we've got a lot of pet photographers that listen to this podcast, mm. I think. And, and I think... You know, if you're looking at the the kit, I, I would get the 600 with the AD200 um, as well, and um, or with a, a the smaller regular uh, speed light that you can use as fill, um, and that's will pretty much cover the majority of that sort of location work that people do, and it's uh, all light and easy, and lots yep. of uh, lots of uh, accessories that come with. So yeah, good good light Brilliant. for the money. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So we want to move on to give a shout out to Kelly Patterson, who has actually asked for a constructive critique. Kelly posted some shots, some great moody black and white shots of a, a like a young girl or a young woman uh, by a window wearing a hat, kind of looks like a fedora, might not be. And um, they're just these great moody shots with the light only coming, the, the light source being what seems to be the window. Um, Kelly's, I think, been listening to the podcast for about three years and she's also been in the gold community and uh, she says and by the way you can see this shot if you want to have a look over at ginamilitia.com uh, we'll put post it in the show notes and Kelly has said I love black and white and this is my 2020 mastering window shots <laughs> with a moody vibe I work many hours at a job and taking a shot that inspires me is the ultimate feeling most of you know when you feel like you finally got it, it feels amazing. The tips, encouragement, and feeling like you are sitting right there having a conversation with Gina has been my daily routine. Any critiquing that would help me get to the next level is so welcomed. That's great. So Kelly's got this shot and she's posted that series of shots. Gina, do you have any comment on that? Yeah, so basically there's uh, four different shots that Kelly's shared with us and they're all um – shot with uh, window light and it's uh, what 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 I like is it's quite contrasty light so there's uh, mm. you know a lot of it falls off quite rapidly so like three quarters of her face is lit and then you can see the the gradual transition from highlight to shadow and um, you know the 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 are they self-portraits yes I'm not sure oh it's hard to say well yeah. the 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 person that's being photographed is uh, all uh, like a three-quarter profile with this beautiful window light so I say Kelly great job keep doing this because it's like you know we've talked about this before but I think one of the most uh, important days in a photographer's life is the day they start to notice the difference in light and the quality of light and then the next most important day is when they work out what to do with it all right so and it's all in the doing. And so you're going to learn so much by hey, listening to these podcasts. But then, you know, if I'm giving you tips to just go out and have a go and something like this window light shot, 
you know, sometimes the resistance in our heads is all about, oh, yeah, I've got to get the tripod out, got to get the light, it's going to take me half a day, can't be asked. And then mm. you, you talk yourself out of it or you just like, for whatever reason, we talk ourselves out of it. So it's just like it doesn't need to be this long, drawn-out process. And if you can find a little location, set up, like as I said last week, get a styrofoam head if you don't have a model and just see what happens or a little model of a, you know, Ninja Turtle or a, you know, a wrestler or G.I. Joe or whatever lights you up. Um, set that up and, and uh, practice the lighting and see what happens. So what I would recommend, Kelly, with these images is I do love the trans, um, transition from highlight to shadow but it's kind of like I would like to see a bit of fill uh, camera right camera left where you've, it goes into completely black and we're not seeing what's going on in the background I just want to see a titch more detail so if you've got a little bit of white card or a, uh, a reflector just experiment with bringing that in right in close and then backing it off a little bit and just playing with the the different ratios so just seeing if you can bring a little bit more fill the other thing, and this is something that I'm always um, telling the Goldies about, is when you're presenting a selection of images, pick a style to edit in and stick to that one style so that the the, the images all flow nicely together because um, it gets really confusing when you've got a set of images and you give every image a different edit. And I know it gets exciting when you get into Lightroom and you go, okay, here's a matte version and I'm going to do a super contrasty version and, you know, somewhere in something in between and then I'm going to crank up, you know, the texture in this one. Find the one that you like and by the one that you like, trust your gut. It's like mm. what one do you keep going back to? And it's not because what I feel uh, a lot of, new photographers are doing and this comes also to when you're posting on Instagram and things like that is you're doing you're over explaining it so Valerie to go with a, a writing analogy so <laughs> from from my experience what people have said to me is if you know don't use a hundred words when you can say it in 10 simplify right. it you know mm. don't use extra like very very and like all <laughs> these extra explainer words mm. right and I don't know I know I tend to waffle on and I'm trying to get to the point <laughs> which is really funny because I'm making a point about waffling oh as the I waffle. irony <laughs> so but the point is, it's like when you edit these uh, all your images in different styles, you're kind of um, subliminally saying, I don't really know what I like. Be really decisive. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong answer. This is sharing the work that you love in the style that you love. And don't worry about what everyone thinks. Let the people that that image resonates with come to you because if you try and please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. So that's my first um, sort of CC on this image is pick a style, really, and stick to that. So one edit style, do it for across the board so that makes them all blend together. And then um, also and this is a general CC for a lot of the listeners, when you're sharing images, don't share 10, share one. Mm -hmm. Because when you're sharing, unless it's a story and that they all flow together and you've got the close-up, you've got the super wide, and then you've got a mid-shot and they help mm -hmm. to tell the story. But if you've got one shot and you've got 20 different versions of that shot edited in 20 different ways with 20 different um 
you know, reactions in in the face, 20 different expressions, Mm. you're diluting the power of that shot. And people these days don't have much of an attention span. By the way, they're on the toilet as they're looking at your photos. (laughs) Great to know. Yes, this is all I think of when I'm thinking that people Mm. are looking at my images while they're on the toilet, Mm. right? So, but then you have to capture their attention and if like – swiping 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 it was great the first time you saw it it's like a view Val when you're staying in a beautiful location Mm. the first time you walk into that room and you see that view it takes your breath away right Mm, mm, the mm. 10th time not so much you Mm. you get used to that view It, it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect so you want that punch you know that wow just once and that's mm-hmm. enough. More isn't going to make it any better. So, but aside from that, the vibe, the uh, calmness of the uh, the pose, the expression, everything is great. Keep shooting, Kelly. You're doing a great job. And shoot and share more. We'd love to see them. Well done, and thanks for sharing those today. Brilliant. Okay. So um, if you want to find out uh, a little bit more about how Gina can help you on that level, but also so much more, um, you can sample what Kelly already has, and that is being part of the gold community. So to find out more about that, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. I loved mentoring Christy Hurd, who's been a member of our Gold community. I've always encouraged members to pursue their own passion projects. Christy started taking photos of a Brad Pitt doll to practice her lighting setups, but this escalated into a full-blown passion project as she started to photograph Brad in a variety of different outfits and locations. Ultimately, she created a stunning coffee table book of her images. Putting a book together is something that I've always dreamed of um, and I've actually done it and I'm incredibly proud of it and the feedback that I've got from family and friends and from the community as well, Gina, you know, it's just been amazing Um, and it's opened quite a few doors um, and you never know where it's going to take you. Yeah, I have. Um, I've had a couple of people interested in working with me. Um, one of those people is a fashion house in Paris. It's called... I know. <laughs> when I'm speaking it, I'm like, really? Um, yeah. So there's there's a fashion house in Paris called uh, Lords and Fools, and they create um, fashion for men and women, which is inspired by. Um, military so they they're very regal they've got a lot of um you know great looking outfits that they create and um they created john bon jovi's waistcoat that he's currently wearing on stage if you'd like to find out more about the gold community just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community All right, let's move on to our guest this week. So this week's episode is how to develop a unique style with our guest, Preet Uday. Now, tell us about what we're going to hear, Gina. Yeah, so I first stumbled across Preet's work in the Frames uh, Photography uh, podcast. I think it's a podcast group, but it's a a Facebook group. And Mm -hmm. his work 
like I've never seen anything like it. Stopped me in my tracks because it was so different and so unique and it's a lot of things. And so I'm like, wow, who is this guy? And I've gone and checked out his his uh, Instagram and then I've gone to his website and it's just amazing. It's so unique and he's his eye is just beautiful. Like you just every single thing that he posts, I love. I love all the shots and uh, just the sim- simplicity and the you know the composition and the things that he photographs uh, in and around Dubai. And uh, and it's like it's had me like ever since I've started seeing his work. I'm like, why never? I never get out of the airport whenever I was in Dubai. I didn't realize <laughs> it looked like this. He's done mm-hmm. such a great job of making Dubai look uber cool and, uh, you know, amazing. And and then it's like, you know, most of these images I'd happily have hanging on my wall. They just make me happy. So he's incredibly talented as a photographer. And so that's what he does. At, he, he started like doing a personal project during lockdown last year because he couldn't shoot his commercial stuff. And so um, I wanted to just write, really get into his mind and, and find out how developing this unique style that he has, it just stands out. Go and have a look before you listen to this uh, podcast. Go check out his uh, work, uh, Instagram, his Instagram visuals by Preet. So it's P-R-E-E-T. Have a look. All the links are in the show notes at genomilitia.com. Check them out. So he's a. They're just a, gorgeous images, really. Just the absolutely. Color stunning. palette's fantastic. Just do yourself a favor and check out his work so that you can visualize them as he's uh, talking about. So not only does he do this unique and beautiful, beautiful, uh, you know, personal projects that he's working on. His commercial work is also uh, quite beautiful as well. So so we get into a whole lot of stuff uh, in this interview and we talk about how he developed his uh, skills photographing preschool children and he's got some fantastic tips that he shares about the lessons he learned shooting literally thousands and thousands of kids. Can you imagine, Val, shooting kids under five no. for school photos, <laughs> right? No. It's like there are a lot of moving parts and you mm-hmm. must have so much patience and also know to anticipate the moment because those little kids turn in a, in a dime, you know, and there's nothing like a child tantrum and all the mums and dads out there or anyone who's dealt with working with kids, it's hard work. And then, you know, we talk about some of his uh, business practices as well and why he still prefers to send out physical proofs rather than digital proofs. Uh, we talk about the, the importance of anticipating the moment and then he basically broke into commercial photography via word of mouth. So it's kind of a two-parter, this episode. So the first part we deal with is commercial work, which leads us to how he developed this beautiful and unique style. And mark my words, I think he's going to be uh, like one of those names to look out for. Uh, You know, he'll go off this year, I reckon. It's already starting to happen for him, but I think he'll be one of those guys that you just see his work everywhere. So, um, And he talks about, again, the importance of pre-visualising images and, you know, uh, a couple of other fantastic tips about surrounding yourself with beautiful images and curating your feed to develop your eye. Very generous with his information in this interview. 
couple of uh, audio issues. This was his first time doing a um, an interview, so you know the sound. There, there is a bit of background noise sometimes. Bear through because the content is actually fantastic. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Preet Uday, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine, Gina. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to chat to you. When I first saw your Instagram posts, and I believe it was in, I'm trying to think of what the, uh, one of one of the groups we're both members of, and I can't even remember what it was, and I'm just like, oh my God, who is this guy? This this works. I've never seen anything like it. It's beautiful. It's minimalist. And then I went to your, had a look all through your Instagram site, loved everything there, and then went over to your website and had a look at the beautiful commercial portraiture that you do. And I'm like, I've got to get this guy on. So I'm very grateful that you've uh, found the time today to have a chat to us. So before we start, one thing I always ask my guests is where in the world are you? I am uh, based in uh, Dubai, UAE. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I uh, originally am from India and right. I've been here since 2002. And did you start your photography uh, in Dubai? Yes, I did start in Dubai in uh, probably in uh, 2014, December or 2015. So you've been going for about 16 years now. Uh, no, it is what only six years. Oh, six years. Sorry, my apologies. My math is shocking. Six years. So you're doing really well. Like, what what is really intrigues me is uh, how different your commercial work is to your personal work, and we'll, I'll get to both of you. But what what I want to start with is um, how has uh, the COVID situation affected your ability to work? Uh, last year and now coming into 2021, did it have an impact on your business? Yes, uh, quite a bit actually, uh, especially in uh, 2020, uh, early yep. early 2020, uh, yep. because a, a major share of my work, uh, my revenue comes from nurseries and schools. Nursery, so that's uh, preschools? Yes, correct. It? We, like it's preschool. Preschool. So what are the age schools. groups there? Age is starting from six months up to uh, four years. And right, so probably even, the yeah. most difficult age to work with. And so you said you've got contracts with those schools. So ha- ha- how many different schools are you are you working with? And give us an idea of the number, the volume you're doing and over what kind of time, what's expected of you for these shoots? Well, uh, I have a contract with 15, uh, 15 uh, nurseries and schools. So the volume is yeah, the volume is pretty high. And uh, yep. in terms of uh, students per day, I shoot around forty to fifty students per day. My approach to my approach to uh, photographing these kids is like a, a mini portrait session. I don't take the yep. traditional route. Of you know doing one portrait, one yeah, doing one headshot, three, three frame, three frames, and they're done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and you're doing like I'm doing. How a, many looks are you doing? I'm doing a proper portrait session, but a, a mini portrait session, uh, and like four to five poses. Yeah. And uh, within uh, like fifteen minutes. 
So I do four to five. Four to five in 15 minutes. Yes. And was this always the case or is this something that you worked up to? Something that's that fast is, yeah. with that age. Yeah, exactly. Thanks to my assistance and my approach, uh, I, I managed to do it. Um, how, how many assistants have you got with you when you're doing that sort of work? Because like you... I think when you're working with that age group, you don't have time to really warm them up, or you kind of got to go in like it's stealth. You don't you you want to surprise them into just behaving because if you've got time to think about it, they'll they'll throw tantrums and things like that. So there must be a lot of psychology that you've learnt along the way about how to deal with that age group because they can be difficult. Exactly. I what the what uh, I probably am good at. Uh, uh, reading uh, body language because I yeah. know when the moment is is gonna come, you know, uh, and I am I'm ready to click. So and in terms of poses, uh, it's all sort of uh, we give them a starting point. My assistants pose them in a certain way, and then after that, it's all about uh, it's just a starting point. And after that, it's all about getting their attention. Either by using toys or uh, whatever it is, uh, getting the attention. The moment I get the attention, uh, it's all about clicking. Anticipating the moment so, is key, in my opinion. Anticipating the moment, correct, and and it's like and not 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 forcing. Exactly. Like, one thing that's interesting that you said is it's like your how many assistants are working Two. with you on the day? Two assistants. Two. So they're giving the, the so they're coming in all full of energy, going, "Hey kids, we're going to do that. I want to see if you can sit like this. You get them to sit like this, but then are you waiting for the child to then reinterpret that pose their own way? Because obviously, if you're sitting there saying. No, put your hand on your hip like this. They're going to get flustered. No, so there is must beside, be a technique there. Literally beside the child and uh, yeah. gives them a starting point by posing them. Yeah. And then the second assistant is beside me and uh, doing to, doing all the ridiculous their, things. Once the yes. pose is ready, we do our the ridiculous things, like you said. And then, and I don't think people realize how much work goes into how hard you have. You must be exhausted at yeah, the end of the day well, because yeah. it is, I think it's, um, and correct me if, if you don't agree, but it's maybe 10% is getting the lighting right and 90% is getting the, the, the right feel and, and, and getting that energy right in the room. Exactly. Yeah. Perfectly said. That's the, a lot of work. So, um, so that's fantastic, and and so you're doing forty a day over several days, and then you so you're giving each child how many shots? Three, four. The parents get uh, ten uh, final images to choose from, and uh, they have packages, so they can either buy all ten or five or yeah. three. It's up to them. And um, and do you give them the opportunity to pre-buy at a, at a discounted rate, so they can before the shoot they can go. You can have all the images for the X dollars, or you can buy piecemeal. No, after I the don't shoot. do that. You know why? Because you cannot right. predict uh, the child's mood. So if I if I pre-book and uh, uh, and the pictures don't turn out well, so the parent may get disappointed. So I rather do, do, I rather give the option to the parent after the shoot. There's no force right. to buy. Although all of them end up buying it, uh, they get to see the proofs and then uh, make the order. 
That's safety. And exactly. so the proofs are online, obviously, with uh, lots of... Um, also, you know, I don't do everything. proofs online. I do physical proofs. The reason being... Uh, ah, interesting. The reason being uh, people take their own time when it's online. There's not everyone, yeah. at least here, not everyone is so well-versed with the, uh, using things online in terms of uh, checking the proofs, making an order... Unlike other parts of the world, you know, uh, buying things online, and uh, although now it's 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 totally different, it's picked up. But uh, basically, I don't want uh, to give the parents a chance of uh, missing out. Nothing like giving a physical print, yeah, you know, and uh, just ticking of boxes and making an order and putting the money in the cover. Yes, it's okay, quick, fair enough. short, and easy. So that. Uh, because I've tried the online thing before and uh, compared to physical proofs, the physical proofs end up selling much, much more than online. Oh, that's interesting. And so and, and, and so you you find that there's a higher success rate with giving them the, the proof. I mean, it feels like it's riskier because you've got to outlay the money to, to get all these uh, images proofed, but it sounds like it's been quite successful. Yeah, it's quite successful. And obviously the, the teachers and uh, nurseries take care of uh, the entire process. I just hand it over to yep. the nursery. So. And there is interaction between the teacher and uh, the parents. So the teacher is yes. personally handing it over to the parent and there's a conversation that they talk about the photograph and uh, all like that. So you don't have to deal with all the parents, which would be also lead to a nervous breakdown, I would imagine, yeah, if there correct. was 40, you know, hundreds of sets of parents <laughs> emailing you and asking questions. Exactly. So that's great. So, and there's a personal so touch between the parent and, and the teacher. So, helping guide the the choices exactly. Yeah, like that. that sounds like a really um fantastic uh sort of entry into the photography world. And I I know that like you know the dealing when you're doing portraits, learning to deal with uh, all the different personalities, and it doesn't matter how young or old or experienced someone is, they're going to have good and bad days. And it all comes down to uh, you as the photographer being able to control uh, the energy in the room and and bring the best out of the people. So how do you feel that doing these um, hundreds and thousands and thousands of shoots with uh, children, which I would say probably the most difficult genre to yes. deal with, uh, what? how did that um, uh, set you up for doing the corporate high-end corporate portraits that you also do what what do you think you learned from doing all of these uh children's portraits well after uh, dealing with children uh, photographing adults uh, felt so easy you know? yeah uh, especially uh, in terms of uh, reading body language and uh, getting the poses and uh, also in terms of uh, in terms of uh, lighting, it, it it also in terms of lighting, I I use the same same lighting patterns uh, even for my corporate portraits. So it also taught me a lot about lighting because I during the shoot I sometimes uh, experiment a lot in in the in the nursery uh, shoots. 
So uh, on the job, you're experimenting, or are you experimenting? Because yeah, I imagine you would on the job. I do it because uh, sometimes you're on a break, right? So I quickly change up the the, the lighting uh, and then uh, photograph it. Then after I get back home, I check the difference of the look. So it taught me a lot about lighting in the nursery. And, uh, I actually think this this genre that we are talking about, the nursery schools, is uh, probably the next one that needs the mold broken. We saw we saw this uh, probably starting maybe in the uh, in the early two thousands with wedding photography. Up until then, wedding photography there was a real different def- definite look, and it was very sort of kind of this old fashioned flat lighting. And the same in the school photography business, we see, you know, the the school photos, uh, you know, a couple of umbrellas on stands. The photographers that were shooting it are not necessarily artists. They're just um, button pushers, really. Yes. They're not, they're, there's nothing yeah. creative. Everyone is lined up in, in lines. And then the headshots that everyone has are kind of like, you know, head and shoulders, three-quarter, three frames, smile and everyone looks awkward and really goofy Ooh. and you know when you think about it if if you can uh convince the schools to uh g- give you a go as a photographer and you can do something creative and like what you're doing you're offering three different looks we're going to do every one over three days it can be something that can be quite lucrative i imagine exactly. and also an excellent way to uh, develop and hone your skills. So I, I can't see, like from your folio, I can't imagine you doing an umbrella on a, two umbrellas <laughs> and flat lighting for school photography. You're not doing that, are you? True. I went in actually with the approach of an editorial photograph or a portrait photograph. You know, uh, try to have the same aesthetic and uh, the same look. So by going in with that approach, uh, the images look more polished and editorial rather than right. typical school photos. And in terms of lighting, yes, uh, yes I do use umbrellas, but the reflective ones in diffusion. Yep. So that creates a good soft light. Yep. But still positioned in such such a way that it looks more editorial, not not very flat. Right. Yeah, so you so so you've got like shape to the lighting, and then the, it's also uh, creativity in the poses and, and then, uh, trying to capture the personality of that model. That's right. Yeah. So, so and then so you started with these contracts with the schools. How did you then segue into? How did you get into the the corporate photography, which is also really beautiful um, work as well, the business side of things? Yeah, honestly, I really didn't need to market myself much. Uh, things came through word of mouth. Uh, uh, you know, the parents uh, are working in yes. certain companies, and then even the principals and the teachers recommend me to. Of uh, their, their uh, contacts, so it all came uh, through word of mouth, and uh, only 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 during this COVID period, I had to really market myself. Uh, right, because of everything being shut down, I had to look into yep. other genres and market myself. But fortunately, it all came through through word of mouth. Right, fantastic. So. Um, 
And and these are, these are sort of uh, business leaders. So you started out doing uh, headshots, and then you got into uh, doing uh, kind of like yes. more advertising. And this is all just because it's like people know you, and they like, hey, I've got a business. Do you want to come and do my portraits? And this, in my opinion, because uh, I grew my business in the same way. You know, it was that I, I believe, I personally believe. Um, the best way to market your work is to be able to uh, work, uh, let people see what you do and let someone else uh, do the talking for you. And it's like when you do a great job for someone, naturally they're going to, other people are going to say, who did the photos? Or like, do you know a good photographer? They're going to ask their friends, hey, does anyone know a good photographer? And you'll get recommended that way. And that is like, that kind of recommendation is worth its weight in gold, I believe. That's right. But word of mouth is huge. It's really huge. It's yes. And uh, I would say, like, I apart from you know posting on posting on Instagram or updating my website, I I never really needed to do much more, and uh, most yeah. of it came through word of mouth. Yeah, it, it 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 definitely is. And so, um, when you're working on on these jobs, do you still work with like to work with two assistants, the same way as when you're working with kids, or is it just one assistant? Uh, it's mostly one assistant. That's right. And uh, right, and and yeah, the assistant. I just want to ask yeah. what it's. Sorry. Yep. Go ahead. The assistant basically helps out in uh, setting up and all that, and I I take care of the rest. I think assistants are worth their weight in gold. Just in terms of uh, working over in Dubai, so in the in the winter time, you've got like twenty five degrees Celsius during the day. Is that right? Does it get any colder than that? That's right. It it gets colder towards the evening. Yeah. Uh, during the day, yeah, it's around that. It's very pleasant and it's a perfect winter. It's not too cold. Be beautiful in the winter time. Yeah. What about in summer? What sort of temperatures are you dealing with? Summer is, is too hot. Uh, I think the hottest it, it has reached forty five degrees uh, centigrade. And right, so it's it's kind of like an Australian summer. Is it a dry heat there in the summer? Yes, it is quite quite dry. So, but mostly you're dealing with working indoors. You're not really doing lifestyle shoots outdoors in the summertime. That's you right, yeah. Limit those to winter time. Mostly, uh, yeah, mostly indoors and with the studio look. Right. So, um, you spent some time developing this style and the work is very slick and uh, and beautiful in, ter- in terms of your commercial work. And then you're saying that, like so, the work that I noticed you for um, is the personal work that you're doing, which is the stuff that you see on the Instagram account. And what's really interesting about this work that you do is, like, at first, like I thought you were shooting in somewhere like Miami. <laughs> That's honestly the style because it looks like, oh, these are images from 1970s Miami. It's a very retro look. It's very minimalist. How is this just something that you started to as something to do because you couldn't do any other work? How did, how did this evolve? Yes, uh, it started actually uh, when everything shut down uh, when, uh, in early uh, 2020, the initial yep. phase of uh, COVID. 
I had nothing to do basically. Nurseries were closed, schools were closed, and many companies were under lockdown, and nothing was coming in. So I just took the camera and hit the streets. And um, I started photographing anything and everything. I I I don't think I should call it street photography. I, because I literally photograph everything. So yeah, but everything, but everything in this really minimalist way. I'm trying to scroll down and find where the style first emerged because I know there's an image in my folio. I know the first shot I did where I developed my style. I just saw it and I went, that's it. This is what I want to do. And I developed it from there. I'm seeing, I'm trying to find it here from you. Do you remember when the the first shot that you took? Because I can see, um, I can get down. I'm just trying to see the date where that was like definitely uh, your corporate style, corporate style. Then there was a couple of like, uh, street minimalistic shots, but you hadn't quite developed the editing yes. style. But you can actually see the you can see the development. So I'm taking a guess here, Preet was, um, and I think it was before lockdown that this style actually started. There's an image that you posted in July. 2019 and it's of a cart yellow and green with a green and white uh, canopy against a, a rustic um, wall and uh, at Ferrari world yes right yeah, correct. is that the is that where it started no it, it didn't start there that no. I, I just posted that because I liked it but uh, a long break after that I didn't photograph anything uh, in that genre. You can see it's all but portraits. You can, but the, you can but see now and then I posted, but I didn't think much of it at that point. Yeah, I can. But but I can see that how you see again, it's very distinct to you. Like you know, further down, I can see images of like you love the vintage cars and you love the simplicity, and then you love a little pop of red. So you can, but you can just see it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to take another guess here. Um, February 23rd, 2020, was that the first one where you went, here we go, I've, I'm onto something here? <laughs> no, what happened was I, I uh, <laughs> thanks, it, I can I can credit this to the Fujifilm groups on, on Facebook, yes. you know, uh, that really uh, uh, opened up my eyes. So what I did is uh, during the, the initial phase, I started posting not only on Instagram, I supposed to, uh, one or two pictures, but I post a lot on the Fujifilm groups. So, and right. uh, slowly I started getting a good response on, on my pictures, you know, in terms of comments and, and yeah. in terms of the number of likes and all. So, I started thinking, okay, maybe I'm on to something here. And and um, as I kept posting, but one thing I was, is I was very consistent in terms of creating content and posting yep. literally every day and uh, so, so you'd go out and shoot something every day exactly. and i can just see that it's like once the style is there it's like you've got a real love like it's almost like you are finding these little pops of red lots of yellow and then the blue it's like very consistent to your style and it's just like 
I've honestly not seen like you're the first person I know that can make a, a shopping center, um, you know, a shopping cart look sexy. <laughs> yeah, you know? I get that a lot. You know, like one guy told me that you can literally shoot a brick wall and make it look good. You uh, could make, you know, I mean, like there's a there's a there's a, a trolley there that you photograph with a bag of c- cement or something next to it, and you've made that look sexy. So it's like. What are you thinking when you're looking through the camera? What are you seeing? Is it? I, I know you've done thousands of shoots. Is the moment that you choose as like how you're framing up the shots, is it conscious or do you think at this point in 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 the way that you're seeing it's intuitive? You just know it's, that's uh, the shot. It's intuitive. Um, it is intuitive. It is intuitive. The moment I see something um, which attracts me, First thing is I'm I'm true to I don't photograph uh, with the thought in my mind that oh this may look good on Instagram or this may look good on Facebook. No, I photograph it with the uh, like it it has to speak to me in some way. Then it excites yeah. you. It's something that something that, that you excites go, me. Oh my yeah. god, there it is. It could be something and, and simple also, but uh, it has to, you know you you feel it. You know there's some connection to it. You feel I get it. I get it. And is it, then I, I to get those imi- Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. And then I I try to eliminate uh, clutter around it in terms of composition. You know, right. I, I try to think of how I can uh, photograph it in in such a way, in a simplistic way, wherein I have, there are no distractions in the scene, and uh, I can uh, you know. Uh, Photograph it in such a way that uh, I get a good backdrop, and I'm, yep. I'm able to show showcase my subject without any distractions. Yes. So that's the approach I take. So when you're out chasing images, uh, how hard are you working to get those shots? Are you like going to different districts? Uh, are you on the way to do another shoot and you'll spot something out of the corner of your eye? Are you the kind of guy that just pulls over and like, there's an image, I'm going to grab it? What, what What's the thought process? What's the work process involved? Initially, it was uh, uh, going to certain areas and walking around and, and photographing uh, things alike. And, but the last few months, my approach has been different. It's like in between a shoot if, while driving, if I see something, I stop and photograph it. Or It's just due to the lack of uh, time these days that uh, mm. I'm not shooting as often. And uh, also my approach has probably changed. It's, it's like uh, things along the way mostly. I'm not going with the intention of, of going for a street uh, photography walk or something. But the first few months were like literally with the intention of going to uh, certain areas and taking a walk for an hour or something and then photographing subjects. You can see, like, you can see the first few months, you can see that you really were experimenting with lots, like, you were experimenting with the style of light, you were experimenting with angles, but, like, you know, every three frames you were nailing it and then you were going back to another style. You can almost, you can, like, it's like this timeline of how this style evolved. It's a really beautiful thing to see. This is one of the great things about Instagram, yes. you know, the way the way that it evolved. So... All right, so 
you take something and uh, what? Like I know you're shooting Fuji. Are you uh, shooting in raw and not applying any styles to the or presets as you're shooting? You're just shooting clean, but visualizing in your head what you're going to do in post production. I shoot. Uh, you, you won't believe if I tell you I shoot like ninety uh, percent in JPEGs of my street really? work. Yeah, ninety percent of my street, street work, work is in JPEG. Yeah. Of course, my right. portrait work is all in raw, so that uh, yeah. uh, I have more control on skin tones. Uh, but with street work, uh, since there's no skin tones involved, you can get away with your white balance being wrong, or you can get away yeah. with your exposure not being perfect. So many things. So, uh, so yeah, I photograph in JPEGs and then uh, use the usual. Uh, workflow in terms of post-production. I don't use mm. presets. I just have my own personal workflow. And yeah. I know exactly uh, how to achieve the look, basically. And then, yes, yeah, I and also... Yeah, it be different for each one. Right. And yes, I also photograph having uh, the post-production in mind. In yes. terms of... Uh, right, color so, color. so yeah. you've got the... You're shooting knowing what the, yes, I agree with that 100%. So I'm always shooting to, um, I, I, I will, uh, you know, lose the detail in the shadows because I know that the way that I edit, I can bring that back, Got but it. I always want to save my highlights so that I, I keep that in mind. And I also, you know, when I'm framing up an image, I can see that image, the final result in my mind's eye. That's how I. That's how I see the shot when I'm looking at it. Honestly, to the dismay of my clients who are going, I don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> like we're at the back of a Walmart. I don't understand it. But you've de- definitely um, uh, are looking out for those little pops of yellow and blue and red. That's like, right. I yeah. see that as a, a real theme through the shots, and then also the minimalist. Um, nature and then i can see so there's a couple a couple of themes going on you love the pop of color but you're also quite attracted to vintage cars right yes i'm i'm yes. actually attracted to anything vintage retro and uh, vintage retro any you know yeah. these are the keywords which uh plays in my mind <laughs> and uh, yeah. it all starts with color for me uh while i'm walking yes. on the street if i see a pop of color uh that's enough for me, you know. I can make an ma- image out of it. So that's the approach I and take. With the um, so when you were developing this style, so it's shooting, 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 and it did evolve. It's not something that comes naturally. Are there uh, some influences either in movies, literature, uh, other photographers, painters? That, that perhaps inspired you to um, uh, edit in the style that you do, edit and shoot in the style that you do? Is there, is there anything that comes to mind or is it a combination of a uh, lot of things? Subconsciously, uh, obviously, there's a lot of influences of uh, film photography uh, and, mo- yes. and movies. and uh, yes. But I never chased the film look. Uh, yeah. The color palette and uh, the editing style uh, just evolved. You know, I never tried to make it look like film or Kodak. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what I get a lot 
people say it looks like Kodak Portra 400. Yeah. So I never chased those looks, but uh, I'm sure that subconsciously those are things I like. You know, those are the kind of looks I like. So yeah, uh, I went with the same approach, and uh, you can call it uh, my uh, my own look now. Yeah, which I'm it famous is, for. It is definitely. Yeah. And so with the editing. How did that evolve? Because it's like I can actually still remember when I figured out, I can remember the I was working on a composite image and I started um, playing around with the, the editing and I pushed and I pushed and I pushed and I finally, it, it just happened and I'm like, oh, my God, I loved it so much and I had to turn it off and walk away and I just have to keep, keep coming back and looking at it because it was like, I, I can still remember the day. It was such an exciting thing. Was it like that for you or was it just a gradual, oh, I'll push this a little bit more, I'll push this slider here? Because I imagine you're editing in, uh, is it Lightroom? Yes, in Lightroom, yeah. Yeah. So was it was it that just one day where you went, let me just experiment here and then it just was something that just made you happy to look at? Oh, yeah. See, I believe in... Uh... Training your eye a lot uh, in terms of aesthetic and color. So, uh, because there's photographers like if you had a purist look at this, they're going to say it's wrong. Yes, correct, yeah. The colors are wrong. Yeah. So this is where, um, yes, as students of photography, ask the questions, get the basics right. So, like, and I and I can say that you've done this. You learnt the rules first. This is not your first entry into photography. First of all, you had to photograph those thousands of kids. You did all those corporate portraits. And then many, many, many years down the track where you already knew all the rules, then you took them and then you broke them. Yes. But that you're also still, you know, using uh, quite a few of the, you know, the way you use composition and leading lines and the minimalistic approach. But then the 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 edit is... Like I said, it's it's something that I've never seen. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's like I could sit here and say, okay, Preet, what's the formula for how you edit these? But it's it's it there's no point because it's like that is your style, it's unique to you. And anyone that actually you know took that took that preset from you and applied it to an image where they just went and did a minimalist approach and, and co it's a copy and it's like, it's not authentic. Your, your style is authentic. So um, Thanks for that. I, I'm encouraging everyone to uh, follow this way of doing things. And then it's follow your heart basically, That's isn't right. it? It's like what resonates with you? That's the only way one can uh, differentiate uh, the because uh, yep. it's, it's so hard to you know, have a unique look. Um, and uh, the only way you can do it is by doing uh, what you believe in and what you feel is yep. good. Else, uh, yep. you, one could end up being a copy of another photo. Yeah. So. And, like, I can actually see these images as posters, as wall art. Have you started selling these yet? Not officially yet. I do get some, uh, quite a few uh, messages and private uh, inquiries, and I, I yep. fulfill some of them. But, uh, yeah, yep. I have plans of uh, prints and books. 
I hope so, because there's about 20 in here that I want to buy myself <laughs> that I can just you. look at all day. They're just it, it, it is beautiful. But really, congratulations. And I know I'm gushing, but I can't help it. And it's like, you know, this is really the sign of uh, a, a great artist when I can just keep looking and looking and looking. And the more I look, the more I see and the more intrigued I am. And they just, you know, to me, I know that it's great work where after I've looked at it once, I keep thinking about it. And that's like a great book, a great movie or great art. It it affects you in a way. Like you can even make the McDonald's sign look good, Preet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you mentioned about <laughs> book. Fantastic. Yeah, book is something I really want to do. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. I haven't even, uh, you know, explored the various uh, possibilities and all that so i hope i hope you have an exhibition soon and uh you know yes definitely um get a book out there and get those uh prints sold uh it's just amazing is there much um so where you've got like images where there's a plane in the scene or there's someone riding through is it like finding that okay i've got a great backdrop i just need some energy or life in that are you waiting long to get someone no, to honestly, ride through, uh, fly I, through? I, no i don't wait long i just got probably lucky for those shots uh, none of my shots i spend more than three to four minutes at a particular scene really yes i yeah. because uh photographing on the streets unlike other parts of the world uh it's not so open here yeah Right. It's not so open here, so I just usually like to make it short, quick, and move on at any spot. And, and are you going out very early in the morning to avoid crowds and not really you know, people I, in the background? No, especially during summers, I'm I'm out in midday. And uh, oh, really, morning, so you get the hard shadows and exactly yeah. hard light and. Uh, I think only on one or two occasions I've done it early morning. Yeah. A uh, few times during sunset and, and twilight, but mostly my light is uh, during the daytime. Fantastic. And there's a couple of other things that you've sort of branched out um, into as well, and I'm not sure if this was during COVID, but like on your website I see that you're, you, you make your own canvas backdrops and sell those. That's right. And you also um, sell camera, vintage-looking camera straps. How did that, how did that happen? Leather, yeah. 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 Yeah, that uh, – it. how did that happen? Yeah, basically uh, I, I usually like uh, – I like uh, things custom-made. And uh, and also, when I kept looking for canvas backdrops, they were really out of my budget, and right. uh, they're quite expensive. So, but uh, I fortunately I had uh, there is good access to uh, suppliers of uh, materials here in terms of canvas backdrops and in terms of camel leather. So yep. I had access to these suppliers. So I I. Basically, I bought and tested, not with the intention of having a shop someday or, you know, making it, converting it into a business, but I wanted to make something for myself. And mm-hmm. then, uh, of course, with a lot of trial and error, I, I taught myself uh, painting these backdrops. And basically, me and my wife together, we, we taught ourselves and 
uh, to paint these backdrops and use these backdrops on our shoot. And uh, obviously, the look is uh, pretty good. Not yeah, not elephant standard for sure. It's far far from elephant standard, but yeah, but pretty good in instead. And then uh, that's when I decided like, okay, I have got the look. And it fit. the materials are not so expensive, so this doesn't need to be so expensive for for photographers. So why not I make this yep. into a product? So yeah, yeah, that's how it turned into a store. Fantastic, and the, and the same with the uh, the straps. Same with the straps, and uh, especially the backdrops have kept kept the pricing too so affordable. So that uh, you know, photographers looking for a good canvas backdrop, but it doesn't uh, you know, cost a fortune. So and I price it in that such a way. All right. Well, I'll put the links in the uh, show notes so people can uh, check out uh, obviously your work and uh, those uh, the backdrops, the commercial work, and then also obviously uh, Instagram checking out the uh, the personal projects that we do. Before I let you go, um, what's some advice you would have to someone starting out? So in their first year of photography, um, what do you wish you knew um, when you were starting out that you know now that you could maybe pass on to some of our listeners? Mm-hmm. Expensive uh, and high-end gear uh, really doesn't matter. You know what? What's more, what's more crucial is knowledge of light and uh, developing an eye for aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you, it's like uh, you know having a good taste of everything in life. So by by developing a good taste of everything in life, that reflects in in your portfolio and your pictures. So, so taste is important. So, and but how do you develop good taste? How did you develop good taste? It's it's not something. Uh, maybe some people are born with some style, but I think it's something that can be uh, that, that that can involve evolve by um, you know experiencing lots of things. Is, is there some stuff that you did that you think contributed to your aesthetic, the way that you see things? Um, I curate uh, my Facebook feed and Instagram feed. In such a way that I get to see things uh, and get to see posts which uh, you know have a certain style which I'm, yep. I'm chasing or which I like. That is that so is you're one surrounding part. yourself. You're surrounding yourself with beauty constantly right. and uh, making sure that everything that comes in is something beautiful and I guess subconsciously that eventually rubs off. But if you're constantly uh, immersed in um, Second-rate art, yeah, and you're looking at all the rubbish, then obviously some of that's going to rub off. So it's being, I think, very um, critical of what what you're looking at, I guess. uh, Your eye also gets trained. So when you you don't uh, uh, do well in terms of editing or photographing, you straight away know there's something lacking, there's something missing. So the side effect of that is, you push yourself even more uh, yep. to achieve the look. So yep. that that plays a big part. And I get and it's like how uh, when I used to work uh, in the currency exchange industry, I had to train my eyes to a, a good dollar, dollar note, a genuine dollar note. 
So I trained myself in such a way that among hundreds of notes, when a counterfeit $100 bill comes in, I straight away, like within a split second, I know it's a counterfeit. That happened. That's right. And yeah. that's like, that's the same when you're looking at a, a portrait, like you can see if the white balance is out. <laughs> exactly. When you're first starting as a photographer, all light looks the same. And I guess it's like you, you train yourself to really see light. And I guess it's like not trying to, uh, I think one of the problems today, Preet, is there's just too much information and everyone's yeah. trying to learn everything at once rather than in stages. Yeah. That's that's um, very true. Even on, um, I'm sure many new photographers are learning through YouTube. That's how I learned my photography, through YouTube. Yeah. Again, identifying who, what sort of video you're watching, what sort of background uh, the educator has or the reviewer has is very important. Uh, right. If you consume a lot of information without uh, checking who the photographer is, what kind of uh, work they have, then you'll take in a lot of information that confuses the new photographers. You know? Right. So if curating what you see on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook subconsciously trains your mind, trains your eye, and uh, that's how you develop. And you, the side effect of that is obviously you know that there's something lacking in your in your own work. Yeah. And you need to just yeah. push yourself after that. That's what happened yeah. to me. I was creating so, work which was satisfying clients, but never but not, was, you. not me. So I knew there's something lacking in it initially. And that's uh sadly all all photographers, all artists need to go through that phase where there's a gap. Um and uh, you, you, you know what's great, you recognize great art, your art just hasn't gotten to that point yet. But if you keep, as you say, you push through that and, like, honestly, if you go, listeners, if you go to Preet's uh, Instagram, you can see his style evolving. Like, you know, I tried to pick that moment that you, like, you can see it. You can see the development and, uh, you know, where the style and you really click on and go, right, here it is. He's found it and it's beautiful. And you can do that with any photographer and like any photographer that you admire, go back through their feed, whether it's their uh, Instagram or, or, you know, usually Instagram, go all the way back to the first post and have a look at how the style evolves. And that for a new photographer, I think is very heartening to be able to see that, that, you know, all artists start somewhere. You can do it with the, the masters as well. Whenever there's a retrospective, I did it with a Van Gogh exhibition. I looked at his first painting and I'm like, right, he was also an amateur when he started. Yes. He wasn't that great. This developed over many years. So I guess it's uh, patience. Yeah, and uh, it's the patience and a process you have to go yes. through. Yeah, well, congratulations on a brilliant body of work. I'm really excited to see uh, where you go from here, Preet. I'm, uh, like, as I said, I think your your work is absolutely uh, unique and thank beautiful you, and I wish you nothing but uh, continued success and thanks again for chatting with us today. Thank you so much, Gina. It's my pleasure. All right, there you go. So that was Preet and it was great to, you know, have a listen to his process and um, how he's gotten to where he's gotten to. So Preet Udo, you can check out, as we mentioned, his Instagram is visuals by Preet, P-R-E-E-T. And I just 
particularly love those images that are, mm. you know, on his Instagram. He's also got uh, a website, visualsbypreet.com, which feature various, um, you know, some of his corporate work and stuff like that. But what's really interesting is that he also sells a couple of um, slightly out-of-the-box things. One is, well, not so out-of-the-box, but one is backdrops. So he sells backdrops for photographers who want particular kinds of backdrops, lots of different ones. But also he sells beautiful camera straps. They're just beautiful. And there's something so lovely about like a you know lovely retro camera strap on your camera it just makes it like you know unique to you uh, they're quite beautiful so they're yeah beautiful they're really lovely leather yeah. gorgeous handcrafted Actually, love them and he did say you know the 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 trick if you want to be great as an artist then surround yourself with beautiful things mm. and develop beautiful taste and taste is something you don't have to be born with it you know like you can remember when you were a kid you liked you know uh, certain foods and uh you know as you grow uh and and taste other different foods your palate expands and it's the same with your visual eye you know um I used to have a mullet when I was 16, Val, and it's like, you know, and uh, I can look at some of the clothes I used to wear and you, you, you sort of learn to, to do a little bit better because you're surrounding yourself with beautiful things. And this is, you know, the way it's the way it's so photography like you guys could look and go wow though the the it's the it's the the way he he does the the editing of his images and it's the you know um the colors and all of that no it's not that it's it's a combination of a whole lot of things and you know it's which makes it stand out it's the composition Mm. and it's the color grading and it's the decisive moment and it is everything that preet has done to this moment to get him to this spot and it's been a real transition Mm. and learning to appreciate and see beautiful things is going to give you the eye to be able to see you know to, to to find the image because if you can't see it you're never going to be able to take it so you know try and uh, curate your feed so you you're um, only seeing great stuff and step outside I keep saying this and I hate to bag Instagram it can be fantastic <laughs> but if you're looking at the same influencers mm. that are shooting all the same stuff everybody is just copying everybody and we've mm. just got this same crap that's getting regurgitated time and time again look beyond that look at like it's not just photography look at the masters of painting go to exhibitions look at uh photography from back in the 70s 60s 80s look at like broaden your horizons and look because art is everywhere and you'll pick up something from all of them movies and um plays there are so many areas where you can get your inspiration and um you know see see where it leads you Mm, absolutely fantastic okay so that brings us to the end of this week's episode what are you doing in the coming week gina all right, so I've got three jobs that I've got to turn around. I'm um, busy. Got to finish off my newsletter as well, and I've been uh, working with the Goldies and getting them uh, to the next level. So uh, working on tutorials. Lots happening, Val. But you know what my proudest thing is? What? <laughs> my proudest new purchase. So I talk about the gear that I buy, but this uh-huh. week. 
I bought myself a chainsaw and I can't oh tell you God. how happy it makes me. And I know you're sitting there going, what is wrong with you? Oh so I God. had a little electric chainsaw that would that would cut. It was more for pruning. So it would cut like, um, you know, uh, branches that were maybe an inch in diameter, you know, a couple of a couple of <laughs> centimetres. But, you know, I had this uh, – the, uh, there's always trees falling down yeah. and that I have to clear and, I, you know, I've got to pay someone to cut. And I'm like, I've always wanted a chainsaw. I'm a bit afraid of the petrol ones because mm-hmm. they're very powerful so then um my brother actually suggested he said why don't you get one of the battery operated ones they've got grunt mm. but you're not likely to cut a leg off while you're using them and so oh, i went and got one the electric, no 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 because they've got all the safety and it's like you know to maybe anyone who's considering one and <laughs> and you're a bit worried about you know if you're strong enough to hold it and control it these little battery operated ones a they're very light so you can easily control them and it's will cut logs of a diameter of about uh, 25 centimetres. So what's that, maybe eight inches or something across? I'm not very good at um, converting the metrics, but like, and they just, it was just so much fun, Val. It's a 10 inches. I got so, so, oh, really? So much satisfaction (laughs) out of um, cutting these logs up into little stacks. And now that's my um, honesty box. So the honesty box, we're talking about this um, off air too, Val. Mm. Uh, I think it's an an Australian thing. I don't know if it happens around the world, but like here in my neighbourhood, if you've ever got like uh, an abundance of lemons or apricots or anything else and you want to share it with your neighbours, you just put it... um, out the front and uh people can come and take it some farmers do it at their at their Mm. gate where they'll have you know jars of honey or eggs and you can leave them five bucks or you know it's an honesty system and i've never had anything because i can't grow anything to save myself (laughs) so now i'm supplying the neighborhood with firewood and it makes me very happy val because it's like a sense of achievement i can now work a chainsaw well done (laughs) i have not bought a chainsaw yeah. What what have you got what have you got going on this week? Oh, oh, I have been decluttering and so I've got my own version of an honesty box, but yeah. it's not stuff I've grown or or chopped or chainsawed. It's stuff that um I don't require anymore but is still valuable to someone. And so that's my – I've been doing that, actually. So so do you put it out the front for people to take it? No, I – the, um, there's a the charity community shop? Facebook group, so I yeah. say, hey – Post stuff. Who wants this? Yeah. Yeah. So all, that's, all the that's stuff that my you need. version. So now you've got a, a, you've got a nice decluttered studio now, Val? I'm still ha- about halfway through. Not quite How good does yet. it feel? Pretty I did good. my desktop mm. and it's pristine, actually. Mm. It's like – I can see all the surfaces. It's all organised, you know. It looks like, you know, when you see people's decks, des- desktops in magazines and you yeah. go, no one looks like that. That's rubbish. I One know. looked like that for about three days. It's slowly, mm. like, you know, the coffee cups build up. And, some people you know. look like that, actually. I've well, some people are, live like that. Some yeah. people do live like that. Not, Not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. No. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then let 2021 be the year that you do that. Come and join the Gold community. If you want to find out about it, just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. I'd love the opportunity to work with you. What about you, Val? 
You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 